and invite you to turn in your Bibles. Uh, If you have a sanctuary Bible, page 1050. Otherwise, to John chapter 1, verse 43. We'll be reading through verse 51. A few words of introduction about this passage first. This takes place around the time when John the Baptist was doing his ministry in a place called Bethany. Not to be confused with the Bethany that was on the outskirts of Jerusalem. This was a different Bethany. It wasn't uncommon for two places in the same land to have the same uh, name. So this was Bethany beyond the Jordan. It was on the east side of the Jordan River, somewhere between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And it was there that John the Baptist called people to a baptism of repentance. And it was there that Jesus went to be baptized. Now, he had no sins to repent of, but he was baptized by John as a sign of his identification with fallen humanity. John, at that time when he saw Jesus, made the statement that Jesus was going to eclipse him. Jesus was going to outshine him in his ministry. And in essence, John passed on some of his own disciples to Jesus and said, You should follow him now because he is the Lamb of God. There's so much that takes place in the Gospel of John, which is what we're reading from, that has to do with the question of belief versus unbelief. It's almost a pivot point around which the whole story takes place. John is very interested in people hearing the story of what Jesus does in all of its narrative details, plot, character, dialogue, That's the way in which he makes the case for believing in Jesus Christ. As we read today, look for some of those plot and character development details, especially when it comes to Nathanael. Nathanael is told that Jesus is somebody great, that he came from Nazareth, and his cynical or skeptical response is, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, we'll see how Jesus answers that question and overcomes that skepticism. Our reading is John 1, 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and ask that you would add your blessing to it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I told the children, one of my favorite things to do when I was little was show-and-tell day. And since there were so many kids in class, about 30 of them, you couldn't, certainly couldn't do it every day. You had to wait a while for your turn at show-and-tell. 
but you could be thinking about it. What am I going to bring? I had a Batman shirt that I was particularly fond of. Uh, eventually, my mom would start hiding it from me because it had holes all over it. I, just, I wanted to wear it every day, and I'd go find it, and eventually she threw it away. But my Batman shirt was one of the show-and-tell items. Look, everybody, I'm wearing a Batman shirt. I'm showing it to you, and I'm telling you how great this Batman shirt is because it has the Batman logo on it and everything. You know, you don't bring anything to show-and-tell that you're not excited about. You don't bring something really boring to show and tell. You don't bring, I don't know, a rock or, unless the rock is exciting, I guess, right? So show and tell is something that you have some investment in. We have a show and tell going on in this passage for today. Jesus is collecting disciples. Some of them he's uh, recruiting from John's disciples. Some of them he's meeting on their own. Some of those disciples are coming in finding some of their friends and telling them about Jesus. And that's what's happening in this story. Philip, who's a friend of Peter, uh, is told by Jesus, hey, uh, I don't really know you. There's no evidence that Jesus and Philip knew each other at the beginning of this passage, verse 43. Jesus says to him, in essence, "Uh, I'm going to go to Galilee. It's about a two- or three-day walk from where they were. Why don't you come along? Follow me. Now, You wouldn't go on a three-day road trip with a total stranger unless something was compelling you, unless you were excited about something. When I I was 16 years old and I had just gotten my driver's license, I was excited to be in the car driving no matter what the destination was. Do you guys remember that, that when you first got your license? you, you You could be sent to the store to buy milk, and you thought that was a great deal because you got to drive the car. I had a friend named Dennis, and we both got our licenses about the same time. And once Dennis called me up and said, let's just drive somewhere. Let's take a road trip. And I said, where do you want to go? And he said, I don't care where the road takes us. And I said, fine, let's go. Let's just get in the car and go. Now when I'm I'm an old fuddy-duddy, and if somebody tells me I have to drive somewhere, I say, well, what are we... What are we going to do there? How many times are we going to get in and out of the car? Because when you have kids, you know, it's so much work getting them in and out of those seats. It's really got to be worth my while if I'm going to go somewhere in the car. Back then, a road trip, I would do at the drop of a hat. Here's Philip being asked by Jesus, why don't you get in my Chevelle and go with me to Galilee? And Philip says, you bet. In fact, I'm so excited about this, I'm going to tell my friend Nathaniel so he can come along too. And so we have this great progression of people getting excited, if you read even before this about Peter and James and some of the other people, some of the other disciples joining Jesus. There's all this excitement building up to this point. But then the road trip hits kind of a road bump, right? Philip's all excited. He's going to go with this total stranger up to Galilee. He tells his friend Nathaniel, he said, this is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. I'm going to go up there with him. Do you want to come along? And Nathaniel's response is one of skepticism. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Why does he say that? Well, it says in our text here that, that Philip was from Bethsaida, or sometimes pronounced Bethesda, I guess. It depends on the translation. Bethsaida was right on the shore of the lake of the Sea of Galilee. It was lakefront property. It was sort of the nicer area. Peter was from there there too. They had a view of the ocean. If you ever travel to Israel, part of your tour is probably going to involve a trip to the Sea of Galilee. It's beautiful in the morning. 
The sun comes up, it shines off the lake. There's flowers growing all year round around this lake. The grass is green because so much water pours into that area from all around. It's a beautiful place to live. Nazareth is not like that at all. It's over the hill. It's not far, probably an hour away, but it's still far enough that that's where the working class people lived. That's where the people live who go up to the Greek town of Sephoris every day for an hour and, and basically act like the, the people that we have now standing outside Home Depot waiting for somebody to ask them to work. And it's quite possible that that was Jesus. He'd walk up there with his father, Joseph, every day and wait for somebody to hire them to do some carpentry or some stonework. And so Nathaniel's saying, Nazareth, working-class town that's on the other side of the tracks, can anything good come from Nazareth? Or it's possible Nathaniel was looking at it and saying, you know, I've looked at the Scriptures, and nowhere in the Scriptures does it say that anyone really important spiritually is going to come from Nazareth. If you want to be important, you're going to be coming from Bethlehem, you're going to be coming from Jerusalem, some of those other places. Now we know, but, but Nathaniel doesn't know, that Jesus really was born in Bethlehem. So he has that pedigree. But Nathaniel doesn't know that. And so his skepticism comes, up, comes to the fore. Can anything good come from that place? Philip's answer is simple. Show and tell. Come and see. I'm not going to try to persuade you. I'm not going to try to make the case for you. Why don't you come and meet Jesus on your own? Why don't you be exposed to him so you can find out why I'm so excited? And then you can make up your own mind. And so Nathaniel evidently agrees to this. They're walking up to Jesus. When Jesus sees Nathaniel, he says, there he is. Here is the man who is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile or no deceit or no falsehood. And Nathaniel has one of those rare moments where Somebody's talking about him as if they knew him. And if you've ever had that in a social situation, it is a little bit awkward. Maybe it's somebody that knows about you from somebody else. So they know everything about you. And sometimes they say things like, I've heard so much about you. And you're never sure which way that one's going, right? So my response usually is, I hope good, you know. But if it's bad, it's probably all true. That's what I say. <laughs> Nathaniel says that to Jesus. How do you... Do we know each other? How do you know me? Because I sure don't know you. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to figure out who you are. And Jesus uses the opportunity to engage in a minor miracle. I say minor because Jesus compares it to a greater one later. But I, I wouldn't think there really are any minor miracles at all. To me, any miracle is like miraculous. It's amazing. But to Jesus, this is a minor miracle. It's a minor miracle of knowledge. A minor miracle of knowing something that other people don't know. And Jesus pulls this one out of his hat from time to time where he knows people's names whom he's never met, where he knows what people are thinking even though they're not speaking out loud. He knows what people are talking about in whispers. Um, this is one of those knowledge miracles of Jesus. And Jesus says, I saw you way in the distance. I knew that you were sitting under a fig tree. I knew who you were. And that must have had some effect on Nathaniel because Nathaniel changed his tune from skepticism to belief in one verse. He thought, ah, that's a pretty good miracle. How did he know who I was? How did he see me from that distance? How did he know about that? And Nathaniel's response is then to give Jesus basically a threefold title. Rabbi, which means teacher. 
you are the son of God. Clearly, you have some amazing power and you are from God. And you are the king of Israel. And so Nathanael is sold because his friend brought him along to come and see. And Jesus then says, you know what? That was a small miracle because I'm going to show you a much bigger miracle in the future. Uh, you weren't so interested in my origin story. You heard that I was from Nazareth and you didn't think much could come from that. I'm going to tell you something about your origin story. Uh, Nathaniel was somebody who was engaged in the study of the scriptures. He uh, was called a true Israelite by Jesus. He was somebody that when his friends told him about it, he said, this is somebody about whom um, the law and the prophet has foretold. That was something that was interesting to Nathaniel. When Jesus told him, I saw you under the fig tree, in the tradition of that time, a fig tree was a place where you would sit and study the law of God. He wasn't like Isaac Newton waiting for a fig to land on his head and prove that gravity existed. He was probably under that fig tree as a disciple, had gone down to be baptized, trying to figure out what the law was pointing towards. And Jesus said, it's all pointing towards me. I'm that thing that you've been looking for. And he says that great thing, the big miracle I'm going to show you, is another miracle of revelation. I'm going to reveal myself to you as somebody on whom a ladder will appear and the angels of God will be ascending and descending upon me. Now, just a little bit of backstory here. Um, this hopefully reminds you of another person way in the Old Testament named Jacob. In verse tw uh, chapter 28 of Genesis, Jacob is running away from his family because he lied and cheated and stole something from his brother. And he's running away from his brother because he knows his brother's mad at him. And at night, he lays his head down on a rock as a pillow. And he has a really crazy dream, which I think would happen if you put your head on a rock. You would just tend to be more sort of half awake, and that's when you have these dreams. And in that dream, he saw a ramp or a causeway, sometimes translated as a ladder, but it was much bigger than a ladder, up to heaven with angels ascending and descending from heaven to earth. And it was in that place that God appeared to Jacob and said, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and I'm going to bless the whole world through you, and I'm going to protect you, and even though you're a liar and a cheater and a scoundrel, you're my liar and my cheater and my scoundrel, and I'm going to make this deal with you. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm going, to, I'm going to build this thing on you. Jesus is saying, you know, you've got your origin story, Nathaniel. If you're a true Israelite, you would look at that moment and say, Jacob is the father of all of us. In fact, Jacob's name was changed by God from Jacob to Israel just four chapters later in Genesis, Nathaniel looked at Jacob or Israel and said, that's my father. That's, that's the story of who I am. Everything I am and have become grows from that point. Jesus is saying, knowing you from a distance is a small thing compared to what I'm about to do, which is to tell you that that thing, that story that you think is all about who you are, that story is about me, that I'm at the beginning of that story from the very beginning. This is a text which is really rich 
There's a lot of human ideas going on, some skepticism, some persuasion. There's some miraculous things going on. And there's these deep connections to Israel's history and why it is then that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those things. But at the core of it, it's in line with what John's gospel is about. This is about belief versus unbelief. It's about recognizing the Christ or not recognizing the Christ. It's about receiving and and seeing him or not. And here, Nathaniel has this choice. He's a true Israelite. He's studied the scriptures. He's understood the story about who he is and where he comes from. And he accepts that Jesus is the one to whom all these things point. And he does so because his friend simply said, come and see. This is one of those first stories of evangelism in the Bible. This wasn't Jesus evangelizing directly to Nathanael. It was Philip who came to Nathanael and said, come and see Jesus. So that's the text. That's the story. It's kind of strong. It's kind of convoluted. What do we do with a text like this? What do we do with this story? What do we do with this idea of coming and seeing and showing people about who Jesus is? It's a story about evangelism. One of the things that we do in the church, and I've seen this happen in many churches. I haven't been in our church long enough to see it happen, and it probably won't happen because I just got installed as your pastor, and I'll try not to do it. But the thing I'm talking about is this, is this evangelism program that's really focused on the technique and the guilt trip. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you're a good Christian, you should be sharing your faith. You should be telling people about Jesus. You should be showing and telling, and you should be doing these things. Remember in show and tell, if you're not really excited about something, you're not going to bring it to show and tell. and, And so if we're asking people who aren't really excited, like Nathaniel is, or like Philip is, to go on this road trip with a total stranger, or like Nathaniel becomes, if we're asking people who aren't totally excited about who Jesus is and how he's rewritten their story, if we're asking those people to go out and use these techniques like, say, the four spiritual laws or some other way to start a conversation about faith, but they don't have that love for Christ already, I'd actually prefer that they don't go out and do that because they might it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be real. It's not going to come from the right place. We have to look at ourselves before we do evangelism and say, where are we in this spectrum? Are we a Philip who's ready to just get in the Chevelle and drive to Galilee and the total stranger and let's go where the road takes us, Lord. I'm so excited. Or are we more like a Nathaniel who's still bringing a little skepticism and hasn't been totally persuaded yet? But once we are, comes on stronger than anybody else. Once you have that excitement, once Jesus rewrites your story and makes you realize that it's all about him, all the technique in the world won't make any difference because you'll just have it. It'll come out of you. You'll be infectious like Philip. You'll say, come and see, come and see, come along. But until that time, we need to go back a step and fall in love with Jesus again and figure out who he is and find out where it is that he's finding us. Where does he see us? Where are we sitting? Where's our fig tree? Where is Jesus reaching into our lives? Where does he know us where we don't even know ourselves? Where does he know us where we don't even know him? And when we get to that place, 
then we can go out into the world. We never hear from Nathaniel again. He's not in any of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We never hear from again in John until chapter 21, when Jesus appears again at the Sea of Galilee and tells the disciples, this is after his resurrection, he finds Peter back at his nets. Peter's gone back to fishing. And Jesus shows up and says, you need to feed my sheep. You need to feed my sheep. You need to take care of my flock. You need to stop fishing and go back to what I called you to. Chapter 21, verse 2. All it says is that Nathanael was there. He stuck with the disciples that whole time. He was there when Jesus recommissioned all of them to go out. The tradition of the church is that he then went and traveled as far as India spreading the gospel, but we don't know. But we do know that he stuck with it and he probably, I hope, continued to show and to tell what he knew about the Christ to everybody else. And I pray that, that that's what we will do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the freedom that we have to express our doubts about your son Jesus. And we thank you that he sees past those and reaches into our lives and rewrites our story. Help us to fall in love with you all over again so that we can go out and bring our world to you. In Jesus' name, amen.